Welcome to Inside the Tunnel, brought to you by VT Scoop 24-7 Sports. Andrew Alex, alongside Matasis and Doug Bowman. Two of the three Musketeers. What's poppin', dudes? Not much. Happy bye week to you. Happy bye week to you. Okay. Living the dream? Yay, nay? Living the dream. Things are, are you know, turning more positive. We got the bye week. And, uh, you know, can sit back and watch some other of our favorite programs, maybe Middle Tennessee State, some Nebraska action. Uh, life is good right now. Can't lose on a bye week. Can't lose. You can't lose on a bye week. You absolutely cannot lose on a bye week. What you can go into the bye week with is a negative attitude. So I, I, I will test this. When was the last time that Virginia Tech went into the bye week and your thought process wasn't like, yeah, we need this bye week right now. Bad. So, you know, can't lose to the bye kind of deal. Like right now, I kind of want the momentum to keep rolling. I don't want Syracuse to have another weekend. You know, I guess it's really just a, with a Thursday game, it's weird. It's a three quarters to half a week. But either way, more time to prepare for the drones offense. Yes, but I I I think this bye week is perfectly timed. I mean, seven seven games in the season, you got to take it at some point. You, you most I mean, really, you want it as close to the middle of the season as you possibly can get it. I remember there was that one year. Was it last? I think it was the end of the Fuente, the last Fuente year, right? Was the bye was early in the year, and they had to play nine games and nine weeks or something, something like that, where it was just, you know, by the end of that, you're beat down. So um, I think, I, I, I guess <laughs> two fewer days than normal um, with a Thursday night game kind of, it, it feels also kind of ideal because you get an extra two days on the back half of it um, going into that Louisville game. So, I mean, yeah, you don't want to lose the momentum and all that stuff, but you got to take it at some point. I think, I think after seven games with two of the last three being really good performances, it kind of gives you a chance to, um, especially coming off Wake Forest, you feel you feel good, you have the momentum going, and you get a chance like for some key players to rest up. Like there's no doubt Basial Tootin needs need needed a few days off, so I think it comes at a good time. Why aren't we ranked? It's a question that a lot of the fans <laughs> are asking right now. It's uh... oh, are they? What where? Where are you reading that? I hang in very specific corners of the internet, mostly dominated by Dr. Jeremy Counts. Shout out. Uh, <laughs> but look, I mean, Our question. some life has been breathed into this team that we all, myself included, took the Colby Crawford route predicting this game. Was that a performance that exceeded your expectations? Because we all thought they were going to win, but did that exceed your expectations i think for me absolutely i mean when you look at the way that virginia tech was able to control the game the fact that they held wake Forest to 13 points like we knew their offense wasn't as good as it has been but it, we didn't think it would be putrid and the fact that they scored their lone touchdown on a kick return you know and had two field goals like the defense you know, did really well. And then offensively, like we saw drones and I think all of us were kind of saying like, you want to give Bashal Tootin like 
25, 30 touches, like have him run all over Wake Forest. And instead, it looked like Toon, you know, was a little banged up. Um, but Drones just, you know, put the game on his shoulders. It it helped that, you know, he didn't find a single wide receiver against Florida State. And then the wide receivers against Wake Forest, just whether it was against the zone or if it was man-to-man, like they just found the spots or won their matchups. And, you know, it helps when you have a guy like Jalen Lane showing, you know, exactly what he can do. And it also shows that Drones is more comfortable in this offense. So, you know, all in all, I think this was the most impressive game in all three phases. Uh, I know there was the missed field goal, but even on special teams with the fake, you know, the defense, they allowed 35 rushing yards against, you know, a pretty good rushing team, um, you know, forced three turnovers on defense. And then offensively, like Kyron Drones, he was rated, I think, fourth nationally by PFF. Like he absolutely delivered as a, you know, complete performance throwing for 321 yards. And then, you know, it, it was just everything. Like everyone did well in this game. Um so I think this was the most complete performance of the year. Um, and and certainly, uh, you know, we all thought this was going to be a one-score game. So to win by 17 is pretty impressive. Yeah, definitely exceeded my expectations. I think some of some of what happened was completely ex- expected. Like Wake Forest's running game came in. Um, they were not a big play rushing attack, which played right into Virginia Tech's defense's hands, given what's happened over the previous um, six games of the year. Um, we knew their offensive line was a disaster and was um, prone to prone to allowing defenses to play in their backfield, which is what happened. We knew Griffiths was on the struggle bus, um, and they pulled him after after that pick to Canteen. So that all lined up with kind of what we thought. I still thought it was going to be a close game and it tech had control of that game, but also it kind of felt like one of those games where they'll, despite having control, they're going to let Wake Forest hang around for a little bit. And that's what that middle portion of the game felt when it was, um, 17, 10, I think for a long time, um, where it's just, you know, especially after that one, one kickoff run, which was a shock to the system. You're like, that could happen again at any point, and all of a sudden this is a tie game. But um, they, they put them away, which was impressive. I think the I think the guy that exceeded expectations by any stretch imaginable was Drones. Um, just a complete performance from from him as a quarterback throwing the ball. I, I, I did not have Kyron Drones' 300-yard passer on my bingo board at the beginning of the season, but he did it. Um, and that was against a pretty sturdy wake forest defense too um like i don't i don't think the the defense is not the problem for wake forest and drones basically had his way there with him especially through there um so i mean hats off to him a pretty pretty good performance and it's uh you know we said that two weeks ago against pittsburgh where we were were talking about the five touchdown performance now he's layered on a 300 yard passing performance so um, definitely, definite improvement there from Drones, and I think he's the exceeding expectations at this point. Yeah, let's just say the uh, the bye week, not something where we're looking at it and saying, well, hopefully Grant Wells can get healthy here, because no one cares about that anymore. 
That being said, uh, number one, give me a number for how much Kyron Drennan is going to make an NIL going forward during his time at Virginia Tech. And give me a number for how many wins you're now expecting. We are only two, three weeks removed, like real-time, literal weeks from talking about 1-11 being on the table, everyone kind of adjusting their win total to three if we're lucky. And suddenly uh, people are keeping that last week of December open on their calendars. The military bowl is very much on the table. Gentlemen, what are we looking at here in your eyes? I think ESPN also projected after this week the Fenway Bowl. So we're already in that territory of, you know, projecting out um, these bowl games. And I think it was the first time all year. I mean, naturally, first time all year that Virginia Tech has been included in those articles. But that would be great to play up in Boston. Um, Fenway Bowl would be tight. That was... Two years ago, they played in against. I mean, we we don't have to talk about the. Was it the Connor Blumrick Bowl or who was the quarterback for that game? That's when Kadem played, wasn't it? You're talking about the Boston College game. Kadem, a little bit of Blumrick. There was a lot going on there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But in in any case, I think um, looking at the schedule, I feel like Virginia Tech has been very much a momentum-based team. Like you look at these, like these last three games, I know Florida State obviously a loss and that was, we all expected that, but they've been playing completely differently these last three weeks. And I think they're building that momentum after the bye facing off against Syracuse and, and then Louisville the week after. I think those are the critical games in, in terms of making a bowl game because if you somehow lose to Syracuse at home after, you know, dominating your last two times in Lane Stadium and then go on the road to lose to Louisville and you're at three and six at that point, I think it's insanely tough to make a bowl game regardless of the competition that they'll face after that. But if they can, you know, knock off Syracuse, I think without a doubt, Virginia Tech is going bowling. If I had to be safe here i would say it's still like a six and six team like i i think most people would agree with that that there's probably two games that they'll lose here but there's you know every game is very winnable remaining on the schedule i think andrew and i were talking about it this might be the easiest remainder of a schedule for any power five team um every game is winnable i see virginia tech winning three of them the only worry i would have is if you know, Garrett Schrader comes into Lane Stadium on Thursday night, runs wild, Syracuse wins, and then, you know, a deflating loss on the road to Louisville. But, uh, you know, other than that, I think, I, you know, I think the odds are that Virginia Tech is making a bowl game with the schedule. I've got them at 6-2, I think. Um, I think that's always kind of felt like the ceiling for this team or the likely destination for this team. Um despite what happened in early September, but like, I think they are better over the last few weeks, but I'm still not fully trusting them. I, I'm um, Matei sent around some game by game predictions today. I've got them losing to Louisville and losing to Boston college and mostly losing to Boston college just because it's in chestnut Hill. And I don't, I don't trust going on the road in there 
in November against a running quarterback. Um, so you, you, you assume like Louisville, I know they look terrible against Pitt. A lot of teams look terrible at Pitt. Um, playing that one at Louisville is going to make that one difficult. I still think they're a pretty good team and a pretty bad matchup for Virginia Tech. Um, but I think the rest of them are pretty decent matchups. Um, Syracuse coming in. This Syracuse game is probably the weirdest, most highly anticipated game ever. Um, three and four Virginia Tech against four and three Syracuse. Does just on paper, it's not very exciting, especially Syracuse coming off three losses. But like getting back to four and four overall would feel like a pretty amazing accomplishment for this team given where it was and i think that would be like i think that's going to add some juice to this game especially as it gets in the second half of like what if if tech can get over the finish line and get the four wins and then know that they have a clear their clear distinct path to a bowl game at that point is two and two in november um so i think that's big i think they can get there like you look at we we said this i think it was last week or the week before like UVA and Boston College. I know I just said BC was going to beat Tech, but they've been below Virginia Tech in every single metric you could look at for the entire season. You still got to feel pretty good about your chances there. NC State's offensive numbers are dreadful. Um, Maybe they're different with MJ Morris. We'll have to see. But, I mean, they gave up three points, or they scored three points to Duke. So we'll know by the time that game rolls around just how likely that is. So... I think they got a good chance to get the six. Um, it definitely starts, like Matei said, with Syracuse Thursday night. I think it's a huge game for for the momentum and getting back to four wins and setting up November and all that stuff. Um, so, I, I mean, it's going to be an interesting last five games. They're all toss-ups. I don't think Louisville's really likely, um, like I said, but like, I mean, they did lose to Pitt, so like you could talk yourself into that pretty quickly. Legacy game for Brent Pry Thursday night against Syracuse. It's exciting, and it's a game that a lot of people are going to be pointing towards. You know, if Virginia Tech can win, that energy. Now, you, you hope you get recruits in the house be able to see that because right now momentum is uh, rocking and rolling. But, Doug, because we don't have anything yet, spread prediction going into the Syracuse Ooh. game. I think I think you got to give Tech a, like a point and a half favorite. I mean, it's, Syracuse is impossible home, right? so, to predict. Yeah, and Syracuse is impossible. Uh, I don't know how you you know, they went 4-0 against absolutely awful competition and then 0-3 against really good competition. No idea where they are as a team against, like, the middle of their schedule. Like, we know Tech is better than Pitt and better than Wake. <laughs> Not as good as Florida State. We, I don't think we know that middle ground for Syracuse at all. Yeah. It's like, it's just crazy when you look at like Syracuse and I know like the competition drastically changed. They had to play Clemson, North Carolina and Florida state, but they scored, what is it? 24 points in the last three weeks after, you know, piling it on against army, Purdue, Western Michigan, Colgate, like they had nearly 200 points their first 
four games and then just completely, you know, whether defensively, not a lot of good, they're allowing like over 35 points on average. And then, you know, scoring 24 points over three weeks, like the Syracuse is a team, like Virginia tech had kind of like a renaissance in terms of how the season started, how the defense looked the last three games for Virginia tech. And I know competition is completely different. So you can't really like equate the two programs, but it's like Syracuse is really trending the wrong way where Virginia tech is trending up. So initially when I looked at it, I was like, Syracuse is might be favored, but taking into account like everything, I, I kind of like that one and a half, you know, point spread for Virginia Tech at home. Schrader is a concern, um, despite his struggles over the last three weeks. A lot of quarterbacks would have struggled against those teams, um, and but I just think his ability as a runner and knowing their identity on offense. And we talked about that with Rutgers and Marshall, like gave them a little bit of an edge there against Virginia tech. Like, um, and, and then the whole running quarterback thing is a massive concern against um, this tech run defense still. So um, I don't, I don't want to get too far into Syracuse, but it's an interesting, interesting game. When you look at it of their previous three weeks against their first four weeks, do they get better coming off a bye as like a reset and they still have this like experienced senior quarterback who can just, I mean, he might, they just might decide to pound him on the ground over and over again to win the game. So. All right. Here's another interesting theoretical here. I guess it's not even a theoretical as much as it's a uh, straight up question I'm asking for you guys. <laughs> Is Kyron drones a top half of the ACC quarterback? Is he one of the seven best quarterbacks in the ACC right now? At home, yeah. For sure at home. <laughs> I think if you take like everything into account, I don't he might be eighth or ninth. It, it's it's just it's tough to tell because, you know, obviously two huge performances against Pittsburgh and Wake Forest. You're looking at some of the other games in the context of you know, he's learning this offense. He's growing as someone that has only started a handful of games. I think, you know, by season's end, could he be a top seven quarterback? Absolutely. Um, but, you know, for for right now, I, I would put him right outside that line, right outside that line. I, th- I think that's right. I've got him like at eight. May, Travis, Riley Leonard, Tyler Van Dyke. Um, Jack Plummer, Klubnik, Klubnik is the other one I was forgetting, and then you get into like Drones, Haynes King, Thomas Castellanos, EVA's quarterback, Pitt's quarterback, Wake's quarterback, Schrader, Schrader's probably Schrader. up there in like the top six. So I I think Drones is probably right around eight, eight ish. Like you could probably throw three of those guys into a bucket and whatever order you pick them out. He's been playing the last three weeks. I wrote today that he's, he's playing. I think it's the last three weeks. He's the number one quarterback in the ACC or number. Definitely the top four in several statistical categories from PFF in the last, and that's in the last three games. Um, So 
give him a couple couple more weeks and maybe we're talking I don't think he gets into the top four, but top of the t- bottom of the top half. The bottom of the top half, a good place to be. <laughs> a good place to be. It's been since uh it's been a long time since Virginia Tech had a quarterback in the bottom of the top half of the conference. So so what do you what do you think drones has to do the rest of the way to prevent Virginia Tech from going to the portal to get him competition? I mean, if he just keeps doing what he's doing, you got to hope that – I mean, luckily there's a two-time transfer rule, right? So he can't leave. <laughs> we, uh, I get – well, I don't, I don't believe anything anymore. There are no rules. <laughs> there are no rules. I don't know. I, I, first of all, no one's ever not looking in the portal, right? Like, I don't know. Drake Bay wanted to transfer out of North Carolina and not go pro. Like, it doesn't matter how good Drones plays the rest of the way. <laughs> They're going to welcome him in. But I-, I think that if you can keep a consistent performance to what he's done, at least since we've seen the schematic change of the offense, and they're, they're proven they could win football games with him. And for Drones, like, this has got to be something close to the floor. Very little experience actually playing college football. No senior year season in high school or weird senior year season in high school because of uh, yeah. because of COVID, which is going to stunt your development in a number of ways because, you know, you're not going to those camps. You're probably not getting as purely trained up as you could have. And this guy could be the limit here. Like, should we be biting our tongue on the criticism of, Putting Tyler Bowen as the quarterback's coach? I don't know if we could say that yet. But has that given him the insight to make the adjustment he needed to make offensively to get Tech to start winning some games? Maybe. Maybe. And the only question that we're asking right now is, why didn't he do that sooner? Right? If Tech was winning, let's just let's imagine. Tech's running the offense in the form and fashion they are now, right? More misdirection, more centered around drones, and drones is starting from week one. How many wins are you adding on in those first four games? So you have one. Are we going to two and two? Are you bold enough to predict three and one? Are you really bold enough to say four and oh? It's kind of hard to say four and oh because you know, drones did start two of those games and they won the first game think they'd be three and one um purdue i'm not willing to flip after that start defensively ruckers i feel like if if drones is more comfortable that that fumble that started the game probably doesn't happen um i don't know the, the run defense was still champs against against ruckers so maybe i'm not willing maybe i'll go two and two I, yeah, I think you. I think you beat Marshall handily, but I'm not with the run defense the way it was against Purdue and Rutgers. I don't. I don't. You can't. You can't give them that. Yeah, I. I, I maybe flip for sure. Flip Marshall. I think it's when you look at Rutgers. That was no matter like even if the offense were, you know, operating at this level. I don't think the defense does enough to hold them in that game. It was just. You know, no no amount 
I, I know they've made adjustments over the past couple of weeks, but I mean, still we saw shades of it again, Florida State just two weeks ago, you know, so Rutgers was finding a way to score 30 plus points in that game, no matter what Virginia Tech's offense looks like. I just want to quickly go back, though, to to Doug's hypothetical. Um, I think for the first time, the best case scenario for Virginia Tech heading into next season is not welcoming in a transfer quarterback. The first and, time in what? What would that be? Three years? Burmeister, Blumrick, I guess you could, before he got swapped over. Um <laughs> My main AJ disagreement, my, my main disagreement there is that bringing in Burmeister was unnecessary. Right, yeah. but um, if you think about next season, having drones as your guy, and I think he'll have what he has two more years to play after the season. Pop Watson has had really good reviews. He could be your number two guy. I don't know. Again, this is where it gets a little murky. Just like. A redshirt freshman next year. Do you trust him if there's like you know a major injury? Um, but ideally, I think he's good enough to be that number two, assuming drones, you know, is healthy for a majority of the season. And then you have Davi Belford as like your third emergency option, and you're building depth there. So by the time drones leaves, hopefully you have Pop Watson, and then you're you know, you you kind of build that natural progression of who's going to be the next guy and the next guy. I think, like, ultimately, we've just seen so much. I mean, it, it's like every year there's – it's either, like, you have a starter, and if you go into the next season as Virginia Tech, like, there's going to be some sort of change. Like, there has not been any sort of consistency at the quarterback position for so long, and it finally feels like Virginia Tech has a guy that they can ride for a couple of years – you know, if he continues to improve at this pace and bringing in a transfer guy, you know, I don't know what that would do to drones. I just feel like coaches love the idea of competition, breeding, development, and and especially try going into a critical year three where like he's a, if he doesn't go in the portal after this year to to add competition to the room. He's putting all his eggs in the Kyron Jones basket. And like you said, Pop Watson could be the number two, but then he, like he's looking at the end of his tenure. If things go really wrong there with drones and he's trying to get Pop Watson ready to go as a redshirt freshman where, when he has to win games, um, I don't know. I think it's going to be interesting to see what they decide if they, you know, I think, I think the right move is to roll with drones if he if he um proves it over the you know if he's not if he doesn't decline here um over the next five games, but like I could see i mean coaches are like that where they are just like <laughs> they're all like that where they just want to like make sure and add a guy that bring in competition and you know give him a good backup option if 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 need be but um i think I think in today's college football and with where Virginia Tech's program is. If you think you have the guy and he has multiple years of eligibility, you have to give it, you have to roll the dice. Like the upside of that is so much higher than like if heaven forbid pop Watson 
has to play next year as the backup and you go four and eight. The the upside of Kyron Drones being the guy with years of experience as starting quarterback and all the pot- potential we've seen is it's it's worth it. Let's put a imaginary scenario in here, which I think is like we discussed before, the most likely scenario. Virginia Tech goes three and two down the stretch. No, maybe beat a UVA, beat a Boston College, steal one of the other ones. Six and six pitch. Everyone safe on the coaching staff? Everyone keeping their jobs at that point? It's a really good question. Um, I would, I don't know. I don't know. I could see it go both ways. Um, kind of feels like prize of continuity type guy, but I mean, like you look at what happened on the offensive side of the ball, like Brooks, Bowen, Brook, new to their positions. I don't think they changed that again. So at least you like Fontel Mines isn't going anywhere. Stu Holtz, tight end, special teams coordinator, like seems pretty set in his role there you look to the defensive side of the ball potentially your you know the run defense doesn't shape up you could see some changes there i think um will be some tough decisions to be made i think um so that's i mean we, i think i said earlier like it'll be interesting to see what prize decision making that is on the quarterback spot this offseason it'll be i think it'll be kind of like interesting to see what happens with the coaching staff too. And if he's, if he's, if he believes that he's got the right guys in place now and run it back and just keep building on it. Or if he's like, most, most of this is right, but I feel like we could get better in these two areas or one area or something like that. Yeah. I think if, if Virginia tech finishes six and six, I think that's enough justification for Brent Pry to keep his guys. Like, I think, you know, we were talking about it a couple of weeks ago. Would, Tyler Bowen survived the, the season and he's kind of turned things around there. And now everyone's kind of excited about what this offense has uh, uh, to bring on a weekly basis. I think defensively looking at Chris Marv, it's been shaky at times and you expect more out of, you know, a, a coaching staff that has so many options defensively, you know, and Brent pride being a defensive minded head coach and, you know, certainly I think that's, you know, I I think he would want to keep Marv as kind of his understudy, like a guy that can take instructions from him and will kind of build the defense the way that Pry wants it. I think you like if you were to get rid of Marv and bring in someone else with different ideas, that would kind of be a clash with Pry. Um, so all in all, I think six and six, that's enough justification to keep the staff. I think that, you know, the other side of it is that you know, even last year after going three and eight, you know, Fontel Mines, all of a sudden Penn State's looking his way for the wide receiver coaching role. Like Derek Jones is a guy that, you know, brings a lot of traction uh, recruiting wise and, you know, has done a great job at Virginia Tech in terms of the cornerback room. Um, you know, those are the types of things that I think you worry about. Um, but I think like all else being equal, I think Virginia Tech would would keep everyone if they finish six and six and go to a bowl game. We do know that 
EVA is going to throw a boatload of money at Fontel Mines at some point, and he's going to take it at some point, right? I don't. It's not. It may not be under this coach, this UVA coaching staff, because that feels a little dicey to take a take a job with where that program is right now. Um, but at some point, it's it's going to be just on. You know, you're not going to be able to compete with with. I'm going home to my where I went to school. So I don't know if that happens this off season. We'll see what happens with the rest of the UVA season. But um, I'm I'm. I'm already fully prepared for that to be like, yeah, that's that was that was going to happen at some point. All right, another theoretical here, because I like the idea of talking about this season going in the six and six direction. But either way, six and six, maybe, hopefully at the worst, five and seven. If things go really well, seven and five. Either way. That's kind of the general direction in which we're headed. We know that this roster has a lot of guys returning next season. Uh, you know, up front defensively, some replacements are probably going to have to be made uh, via the transfer portal. But for the most part, these guys that came in and have contributed, you know, that group's going to stay intact, assuming no massive transfer portal attrition. Next year, the schedule looks like this. At Vandy, Marshall, at ODU, again. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Again? Oh. Uh, Rutgers at Lane. Of course, you have UVA at the tail end. Then you're at Duke at Carolina. You host Georgia Tech. You host Clemson. You host Louisville. At Wake and at Pitt. I've given you the information. We talk a lot about upward trajectory and what you need to see in order to feel confident in this coaching staff is heading in the right direction. Where do you think the next step is? What's the year three bar if the year two bar is six and six? Knowing what we have on this roster at this point. Um. I think expectations will be higher, but I'm looking at the schedule and I'm kind of a difficult schedule. Uh, at Vandy, it's going to be tricky. At ODU, we know it's tricky. Marshall's a decent program. Rutgers, I guess, is a win. EVA at home, feel confident there, but like Clemson, probably not. Louisville could be, you know, depending on how the rest of the season goes for them, they could be in really good shape. At Pitt, Tech never wins at Pitt. At Duke, we know Elko is the greatest coach in the world. Um, UNC, I guess Drake May is going to be gone, so that'll be a question mark, but that's still on the road. Wake Forest, are they going to be terrible two years in a row? Maybe. You know, I think you'll be expecting something like eight and four, but that also feels challenging for based on that schedule. Yeah, I absolutely think it's, I mean, going from three and eight to, you know, six and six, seven and five this season, I think most people will want to see, you know, the eight and nine win threshold. I I think it's going to be tough. I mean, even looking at that schedule and not knowing all the dominoes that are going to shake out, like Clemson's by far a tough game. Louisville's, you know, they're, they seem to be in a good spot. 
I know Duke, there'll be some uncertainty, but they're, you know, a good program right now. Uh, North Carolina, always tough. Um, you know, those are four games right there that you could easily say, like right now, even with everything going well, like those are likely losses or Virginia Tech will not be favored in those types of games. But uh, and then you have to hope that you win the easy ones. Like even this year, we can say, oh, you know, if this happened or this happened, it's like Virginia Tech still lost to Purdue. That looks horrible this year. They lost to Marshall that they don't look that great. Rutgers isn't a very good team. You know, like there's there's still a lot to build on. And it may sound ridiculous saying this now, but it's if Virginia Tech finishes six and six this year, like winning next year and going like seven and five may be way more impressive, but that's only one more win on, you know, in the win column. So it's like you have to kind of take every season with, you know, what comes with it and what the circumstances are. But I feel like the jump especially in year three. I know there's like fans are going to be very excited about the offense. If like Ollie Jennings comes back, if Jalen Lane comes back, if Tudens, you know, sticking around, like there's a lot to like offensively. I think defensively, you got to kind of plug in a few holes and you're looking at like a pretty impressive team on paper. But at the same time, like that jump after six wins is, you know, each win is like, it's a lot. What I'm trying to say is it's a lot different from being like a three and eight team and then going to a six and six team. Like that doesn't feel like a monumental jump, but going from six wins to eight wins in year three, I feel like that's pretty tough. Yeah. To go to six, you can do that beating mediocre or below mediocre programs to get to eight into that range. You're going to have to go toe to toe and win some games against equally good, like challenging opponents. Um, my other question was, isn't this schedule going to change? I was just thinking that. Yeah. Like, I, we went through the entire thing. I was looking at it. I'm like, where's Cal and Stanford? Wait, Wait a minute. minute. <laughs> <laughs> well, honestly, though, take out North Carolina. Put in Cal or Stanford. Another road trip opportunity for the boys. <laughs> and another easy potential win. SMU could be tricky, though. I don't know. SMU, they got something brewing down there. They got all the money in the world. I would love to play at SMU next year. We'll go to Dallas. We'll go to Dallas. Uh, another thing, though, good good metaphor for what you're talking about here. You know, the the three to six wins, six to eight, eight to ten. It's like going in golf from 115 to 100, 100 to 90, 90 to 80, 80 to 70, right? The better you're getting the less margin for error you have and, and the more work it takes to get to that point. I'm still so, in the three to six range then. <laughs> are you? What's your handicap, Doug? 18. 18? All right. What is yeah. yours? Worse than that, probably. Uh, right. I don't know. My golf game is, uh, let's just say it leaves a lot to be desired. It's similar to, you know, Virginia Tech's run defense. <laughs> You know, occasionally I'll have a bunch of good holes. You know, I, I could play bogey golf for a while, and, and then then comes the eight. Then comes the, the bogey crippling golf is eight. Good. Eh, no, bogey golf is fine. As long as I'm playing well enough that I'm not holding up the group behind me, and that my friends don't mind playing with me, it's all right in my book. One last auto next year. All your expectations are completely dependent on what 
projectiles in the portal on the offensive and defensive line, right? Yeah. Like, we, we, the offense, like, you may feel confident about Lane and Tootin and Drones coming back, but, like, Tech needs to add probably two offensive linemen, and we know how much of a crapshoot offensive line recruiting in the portal is, so that'll always be a question mark up until, like, the end of September next year, probably. And then, like, I don't even know what they're going to do at defensive tackle. Um, that's that's the big question of like, who do they get? Are they any good? And what happens if they're not? I feel like that is by far the toughest position to recruit out of the portal. I mean, even like going back to last year, I know like one of the top names was like Bear Alexander, you know, like a reserve guy for UGA and then goes to USC, has like a penthouse apartment, you know, getting that <laughs> NIL money. And, you know, USC's defense is not that great this year and he's been okay i guess but it's like you look at the top and you have some big name recruits that maybe are you know number two on the depth chart at some sec schools or you're looking you know maybe you're like a florida state and i forget where that guy was from i think it was like eastern michigan or western michigan or something um but you know then you get a guy that can perform from a lower level and you know that that is kind of the route that virginia tech has to go with a lot of these guys going down a level to pick him up, but it's a, and that guy, that guy for Florida state, uh, Braden Fisk, I think is his name. Uh, The Western Michigan guy. Like he was one of the few good defensive tackles in the portal from Western Michigan, moving up a level. And he went to Florida state. Like there's going to be somebody in the top 12 to 18 programs in the country that needs a defensive tackle that is going to take the top, two or three defensive tackles that are available. So now you're you're already below like I don't know who the number seven defensive tackle in the portal was this past year, but can't imagine he's like there's much depth there where it's not a big problem. Kind of feels like they'll have to go for like a Feldarius Payne type um queener of sorts where you're like, yeah, he could probably play inside in a pinch and we're in a pinch right now. So he's come inside. Um, so I don't even know. the same it, thing with Varner, you know, they had a guy and then all of a sudden Wisconsin, you know, comes yeah. rolling around and understand there was other circumstances there with injuries and whatnot. But like, you know, that was a guy from temple that looks pretty good on paper is probably, you know, in the 10 to 15 range in terms of defensive linemen in the portal. And all of a sudden another school comes calling if, you know, you're, debating okay well this will his injury history prevent him from being an instant impact you know kind of cold feet all of a sudden a program like wisconsin will say hey we'll take them you know come come on down so it's really tough i feel like it's defensive line offensive line both really tough but especially defensive tackles in the portal i feel like that's by far the toughest position to to find guys I just went to PFF. I sorted by defensive interior, so defensive tackles in the G5 with the draft year of 2025. So they got a couple years of eligibility left. 50% of 451 snaps, so they're playing a lot of snaps. Number six defensive tackle in the G5 right now plays at Old Dominion, Denzel Lowry. I'd be sending him some targeted advertisements on Instagram. (laughs) Um, Hopefully a firm hand. Seems like a good fit. Um. There's not much else. I mean, the top one is a guy named Jordan Gerard. 
at FIU. He's an 82.3 right now in 370 plus snaps. Um, I don't know. You, you got to start somewhere. I mean, we'll take what we can get at this point because, yeah, it is a uh, it's a pinch. We'll, we'll put it at that. It's a pinch. But looks like the NIL folks uh, might have to be opening up the checkbook, not only to keep some of the guys that have shown out, but to make some additions. And that, my friends, is just the modern day. But it really does feel like when you look at the roster, if you can fill some of those gaps, offensive and defensive line, which are going to be more challenging, inside linebacker, also, I assume to be a very, very challenging position to fill. And suddenly, it feels like Tech's got something. But it's easier said than done, which is why it's so important to finish with that momentum so you can go on the trail. You can make that pitch that you are the guy that we need to get from six to eight or nine, ten. 12. <laughs> Whoa. Oh, I'm kidding. Of course. I, I know on the board, somebody today was asking about like playing, playing red or playing true freshmen that are red shirting in the final four games of the year. I, I think the only guys that should play in a blowout or in a situation like that, as I like, let's get them some experience are the defensive tackles. Gunner Givens, Lamar law, put them in as much as you can possibly get and see what, I mean, see what you have. I think for Gunnar Givens for sure. And I'm pretty sure Lamar Law already like those. I saw him in game once, yeah. I think. I think yeah. he got a couple snaps, like two snaps in like the second game of the year against Purdue or something. Stock is rising. <laughs> you need guys like that to come on. Like like Gunnar Givens for as big of a recruit as he was. And I understand he switched over to the defensive side of the ball. Like I know he played there in high school, but um, that's a guy you want to get going. Like that's someone that clearly has talent that, you know, was a big deal for, you know, in-state recruiting. Like he's someone that you really want to see on the field and, six, and do six something. snaps for Lamar law so far. And I think Gunner's at zero. Yeah. Wilfred Panay is still playing a little bit. He'll be around next year. Question about Feldary's pain. I don't know if he has any more eligibility. Feels questionable. All right, Doug, no game preview for you this week. So I have a request. Okay. I want a full game preview length article. (laughs) Defensive tackles that Virginia Tech lost on the recruiting trail. To other I've I've been thinking about this. I've been thinking about (laughs) this exact article. (laughs) And what they could bring to the table. On yep. top of that, group of five defensive tackles from Virginia Tech's, whatever, 300-mile radius. I've been thinking about this exact article. <laughs> it's, it's right? I mean, it's, it's nerdy, but it's what has to be done. It's, Somewhere in Virginia Tech's building right now, there's a it. GA who is doing this, but not for fun. <laughs> Yeah. He's doing it like his life depends on it. And if he's yes. looking at the same list as Doug just looked at, he's probably staying up all night and ripping <laughs> his hair out because that was not the best. List. So you've got like you got smoking a cigarette in Merriman. <laughs> Does JC Price are there any defensive linemen that were at Marshall when he's still there? So he came in twenty 
2021 would have been his first season. Fuentes last year was his first year. So 2020, if you redshirted at Marshall, and you played 21, 22, yeah. 23. There's probably, some, there's probably one or two defensive tackles over there. Oh, and, and on top of that, 2020 was the COVID year. So if you were a freshman, then you, if you yeah, were a freshman yeah. and then you redshirted, you got two years of eligibility left. Yeah. Could so be the play. Marshall, uh, and, and they got to scout them in person. They probably took a long look at the defensive tackles that, that week. Um, Ron Crook, where was he before? South, South Dakota. Dakota. All right, we're going to have to look at their defensive tackles. Uh, Fontel Mines, I already mentioned the ODU guy, Denzel Lowry. He's got that connection at ODU. Um, what else we got? Elijah Elijah Brooks, maybe, working. Maryland? Some... Maryland has recruited a lot of guys at Virginia Tech. Exactly. Wants, so there's that recruit connection. It's a shame that Mike Loxley isn't like on the hot seat. So we could just pick and choose. Maybe UVA. What does UVA got? Clearly no one that good. But <laughs> there might be a coaching change there after this season. We're really reaching here if we're talking about eight and four, nine and three, and you know, the <laughs> but I mean it's what you have to do, right? You have to constantly be on the prowl in the portal. Could Loxley be on the hot seat by the end of this year? We got Penn, Penn State and Michigan left. Two more losses. Then they're at Nebraska at Rutgers. I will be seeing him live at Northwestern in two weeks. I was gonna say that's their next game, but I wasn't I'm not prepared to say Northwestern's gonna win that game. I will be there live. But um I wonder what happened, you know, the article that came out, I think it was two weeks ago that had Brent Pry as the second leading candidate to be canned on the hot seat. I wonder what the odds are now, and I wonder what that list looks like now. So I've actually uh, ventured into this thought process, but not for that uh, already. And I use one of the authoritative uh, sources on the matter, which is a website that I've been reading since I was like 10 called (laughs) coacheshotseat.com, where they rank the hot seat. That is an authority. Number one on the list is Jimbo Fisher. Uh, group of five, group of five, but, I mean, we can see what Nevada and New Mexico have. Tom Allen at Indiana, maybe, you know, he gets fired. Relationship with Justin Fuente. He wants to scratch some backs, needs a referral for his new job at New Mexico. Anything is possible. Then we're setting up the Fuente versus Jerry Kilbull for next year. All these pieces moving at the same time, but we end up with an Indiana defensive lineman. Uh, but to answer your question, Brent Pry is number 12 on the list currently. So from 2 to 12 in two weeks. That's 2 pretty... to 12 in two weeks. Jeff Halfley at 11, Mario Cristobal at 9. But I'm starting to question if this website's paying attention because uh, Tony Elliott, nowhere to be found. Well, listen, you've been following it since you were a wee lad. You got to roll with it. It's, it's here. Here's what I can tell you. When you're on this website, your days are numbered. You can extend it a a little bit, but (laughs) you know, the pink slip comes for them all at some point. All right. Couple of defensive tackle names for you. (laughs) We bought enough for Doug. I got TJ Jackson. He's the number two defensive tackle in 
He plays for Troy. Number two defense tackle by Did grade. we just have a guy named TJ Jackson? Yeah, I, I looked to make sure it wasn't the same <laughs> TJ Jackson. <laughs> Playing defensive line instead of offensive yeah. tackle. Um, so I know that Virginia Tech has a relationship with the staff at Troy. Um, so there, there could be a connection there. Uh, there was another one I saw. Oh, Georgia State has a defensive tackle named Henry Bryant. Get the Derek Canteen connection going there. Or was that Georgia Southern? It was Georgia Southern. Same thing. So Brad Georgia. Glenn, uh, <laughs> yeah, Brad Glenn. Yeah, maybe Brad Glenn will help him out there. And then and then there's a guy, he's the number 14 defensive tackle in the G5. He plays a James JMU, James Carpenter. So maybe Jimmy Carpenter will be the next defensive tackle. All possibilities. Really cutting deep. And once again, I thought that <laughs> do we even did we get a sound bite that was worth it? <laughs> Did we get the sound bite? I don't know if we got the sound bite. Just send Evan like a nine-minute segment about defensive tackles. <laughs> Brent Pry with biggest win of his tenure so far. We talked for 40 minutes about G5 defensive tackles. Are we still rolling? We are. Yeah, we I'm, not, I'm not cutting this part out. This is, uh... For the listeners that don't know, Evan wants an audio clip to send a the 24 seven headquarters for them to use. So uh, we gave that, it to that's them. the context. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe this is the audio clip. <laughs> All right. Well, either way, uh, middle Tennessee state suffers a heartbreaker. You know, they have it, the number 31 defensive tackle in the G five Marley cook stock still connection. I like it. Middle Tennessee falls to Liberty Liberty seven and Oh, basically below Virginia Tech in the football power index. Is it time for Liberty to, uh, you know, actually start playing teams? <laughs> yeah, they're still in it. No, they're in the Conference USA now, right? They are. I guess when you're in Conference USA, it's That's challenging to play teams at times. <laughs> yeah. Jamie Chadwell, probably the next head coach at UVA. You think so? Can they pay more than Liberty? Probably not. No one Probably can. Not. It's like you have the money and you have a team where you're probably never going to He's going to win 10 games. Lose. Yeah. <laughs> like Coast. Also, yeah, Western Kentucky, Louisiana Tech, Old Dominion, UMass, UTEP. What could go 12-0. and 0. Liberty could go 12-0. and 0. And then are we talking about the playoff conversation? In the hypothetical expanded playoff conversation, yes. In the realistic, no. So how do we deal with that in the future, right? Liberty plays no one. They schedule patty cake non-conference games, and then they do well in Conference USA. JMU or App State or Nevada or someone is like a one-loss group of five team like, do we are we just defaulting to the being undefeated, or are now we now playing strength of schedule battles amongst the group of five? I think it would be the latter. I think they'd get ranked like a JMU coming out of the Sun Belt at eleven and one would probably get ranked ahead of Liberty coming out of Conference USA with a terrible comp, uh, strength of schedule, and and get the 
12th playoff spot. I would hope so. But then if they're playing like, you know, the five seeded Alabama and lose 50 to zero, then there's going to be discussions. Like, I feel like it's always they try it the first year, it fails, and then they bring in more criteria to kind of separate these schools. It'll be interesting. It's the theme of college football over the course of the last uh, 20 years. It'll be interesting. No, 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 no <laughs> advanced planning or foresight. We'll try something and it will likely fail. And then we'll make a new plan. Yep. <laughs> That's just how it goes. All right. Let's cut it out here. Uh, VG's good. 24 seven sports. You guys got anything left to say to the folks at home? Look out for Doug's article coming up on uh, G5. I just locked you in. I did not, no, I did not <laughs> commit to that. I thought we just did that on the fly. Thing no, is, totally people good. people will read that. People will read it. They'll do uh, good numbers. We're putting yeah. him on the spot. Now I feel bad. I'm okay. not doing that. I got I got Syracuse to watch. He's got content coming out. Be on the lookout for Doug's content. <laughs> yeah, you got content coming. Maybe. We'll see. It's been bye weeks are usually slow, but I'm sure they'll well, actually, I'll say this. We do have uh, some predictions coming out. I know you briefly heard some of ours, but we'll get the whole team. We'll see if Colby predicts Virginia Tech to finish 8-4. and four. Could be can we get you know, a, a serious possibility. What was that? Uh, can we get a preview? of? I don't. I, I, do not, preview? I do not have oh. Colby's picks yet, but I'm expecting him to say Virginia Tech finishes 8-4. and four. But you'll no, have to find out on VT Scoop. No analysis, just www <laughs> all the way down. <laughs> Kyron Jones electrifying arm. <laughs> I love Colby, Colby's uh, word usages when he predicts Virginia Tech to win. Good kid. We love him. Catch him in those videos that are on the screen in every article. Uh, yeah, I guess that's it. Mateo, I'll have to. When, when do you want those predictions by? Uh, well, we could talk about it off air. <laughs> talk about it off air so we'll leave you all alone thanks for listening inside the tunnel bt scoop 24 7 sports get the vip subscription follow these clowns on twitter because <laughs> you know you never know when a quick analysis maybe a quick highlight tape of a group of five defensive tackle might just come across your feed <laughs> until then my friends enjoy the bye week and as always go hokies <laughs>